Hello one and all and welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And yes, it is finally here. We are in the week of Euro 2020. Starting this Friday, we're going to have Spain versus Turkey at 2 p.m. The opening match of Euro 2020. And I, for one, could not be more excited. And I hope all of you that are listening to the show watched the preview video that we did and we posted it on Sunday. I hope you go back and watch that. It's on the Logan Blackman Show YouTube account. And while you are there, you might as well just go subscribe to that. And while you're subscribing to that, you might as well also subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And while you're doing that, you should go and follow Logan Blackman Show on Twitter, Instagram, and fa- go like the Facebook page. All of that stuff. Might as well just do all of it while you're in the process of watching the video. It is a fun video. I love prediction videos. I don't know how well the predictions are going to do, but I feel fairly confident with this one. I ran through another tournament predictor thing, which you can do as well. I post a link down in the description of the video, and I picked the exact same groups and the exact same outcomes as I did when I made the video. Nothing has really changed. I'm pretty much locked into the tournament on what I think is going to happen. So for those of you who are unaware of what the groups are in the Euros, they're pretty self-explanatory. I don't think there's a lot of hit and miss with some. You can flip like second and third or fourth and third place spots, but I'm pretty confident in the winners of each group. In Group A, I think Italy has got that. Belgium in Group B, the Netherlands in Group C, England in Group D, Spain in Group E, and France in Group F. The only teams that I think could flip-flop with or not finish first in their group is France and possibly Spain. France is just because I love France's national team. I was very made that very apparent when I did the video that I released today. So you can go back and watch that again. I'm just t- just go and watch it. If you got gotten hit by now, pause the show, watch the video, then come back to it. Okay, does that sound great? Good. But in Group F, the supposed group of death, the last three Cup winners in international competition, the World Cup. And the past two Euros are all in this group. Or the past two World Cups in the Euros are in this group. 2014 World Cup champion Germany, 2016 Euro champion in France and uh, Portugal, and the 2018 World Cup champion in France. France. All of them are in this group. And poor little Hungary, even though they've got some nice players bursting through, they're not finishing third in this group. I would be very surprised if they finished third in this group. I know Germany's going through a little weird sprout right now, but they still have enough quality in their team to finish third in this group. But for France, the only team in this group that's really a threat to them is Portugal, who have likes of Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Andre Silva, João Felix, Diego Jota, Ruben Diaz, Rafael Guerrero, João Matinho, Rui Patricio. That's just 10 players I can name off the top of my head. This Portugal team shits on the Portugal team that won the Euros in 2016. Absolutely annihilates that team, especially the team that ended up winning the finals with Ronaldo getting injured in that game. This team is so much better, and the French team is so much better than it was back then as well. But France won a World Cup in between these two Euros. Their expectations are extremely high, as they should be, as one of the best and most historic national teams in the world. But Portugal, man... There are so many good players in this team that could rival France in this group, but I think France has just got enough experience on their team. They've won the biggest games. Not a lot of these Portuguese players were at that Euros in 2016. Bruno Fernandes wasn't there. I don't think Bernardo Silva was there. João Felix, Andre Silva. A lot of the players I mentioned, Ruben Diaz, was not there. Now you obviously had like Patricio, Ronaldo, João Matinho, Guerrero. Those guys were there, but... A lot of these players, even João Cancelo, wasn't there. Nelson Semedo, I don't think, was there as well. There are some good players that were not in that Portugal team that are in this team now that could really push France. Now, France does have Kareem Benzema back in the team, which is a big boost for them going forward. And they ran like a little 4-4-2 diamond in their last friendly. So we might be seeing that more with Mbappe and Benzema playing up top together instead of playing their traditional 4-2-3-1, which they won when they ran when they won the World Cup in 2018. And for Group E, why I said Spain is the only other team that could finish second is because this is not the deepest Spanish squad they've had recently. Very surprisingly, there's no Real Madrid players. 
Iago Aspas is not in this team either, which is also very surprising. There's some very surprising, like Eric Garcia is in this team over Sergio Ramos, their most capped player, their captain, their best player overall. It is very surprising in that. And then Unai Simón looks like he's going to be the number one goalie for Spain in this tournament, even though he led Europe in errors from the goalkeeper position or La Liga or Europe. I can't remember exactly, but I, there's a lot of things that could go wrong for Spain. Alvaro Morata, his form for club level has always been up and down for, for Spain. He has played very well. Gerard Moreno will be another main cog in that offense. Then you got Danny Olmo. You've got Fernand Torres, Rodri. Busquets just got diagnosed with COVID, so he's self-isolating right now. So that kind of eliminates the supposed conundrum Spain might have faced with whether to play Sergio Busquets or play Rodri at the number six spot. Now it's it's just Rodri. Now they did get Imeric Laporte, got him over from France. Now they got two left-footed center backs, which just seems weird, even though it's the same thing as two right-footed center backs. It just seems weirder to me anyways. Maybe it's not that weird, and I'm just overanalyzing this like I always do. Two left-footed center backs three feels very weird to me. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. And Sweden, in 2018, shocked pretty much everybody by winning their group with Mexico and Germany in it. The reigning World Cup champions and a strong Mexican national team and Sweden, out of all the teams, won the group. I wasn't expecting them to make it to the knockout stages, let alone win their group and how good they looked when they won their group. Now, they lost to Germany 2-1, to one, but late-minute goal by Tony Cruz kind of hurt things there, but they beat Mexico, torched Mexico. They made it all the way to the quarterfinals. This Swedish team has a self-belief that not a lot of teams in this tournament really have. I think Croatia has a nice self-belief around them as well, but Sweden is a very tight-knit team, and this team is better than you could say there about a lot of teams in this Euros. This team is better than the team that played in the 2018 World Cup. At the 2018 World Cup, you had Oyla Toivonen and John Guidetti playing up top with Marcus Berg. Marcus Berg is still on the team as expected, but those two rotated to partner Marcus Berg. Now you got Robin Kwaison, you got Alexander Izak, you got Dejan Kulisevsky, who are going to be very big players for Sweden at this Euros. And then you still got Sebastian Larsson, you still got Emil Forsberg, Victor Lindelof. I'm intrigued to see who his defensive partner is. Andre Gr Andreas Granqvist is still the captain and is a part of this team and was a part of the team of the tournament during the 2018 World Cup. But he's older, he hasn't played a lot, so they might run in, Danielson might run in there as the other center back's partner for Victor Lindelof, Robin Olsen in the back. Kraft and Lustig will rotate it right back. Augustinsson, I think, is going to be the starting left back for Sweden, but I don't know. At least he was starting in 2018. I could see Sweden pipping Spain for number one. I didn't predict it, but I'm saying I could totally see that happening. I don't know about Poland as much. They got a new manager. Robert Lewandowski, this team is very relying on Robert Lewandowski, which is what hurt Sweden in the 2016 Euros. Sweden finished last in their group and scored one goal the entire tournament, which was a Kieran Clark own goal. And I might be repeating myself from what I've said in the video, but it's just stuff that I remembered watching. Sweden was so reliant on Zlatan Ibrahimovic dropping back, creating stuff that they couldn't score any goals. That's what Poland is like, kind of. But I don't know. Poland's very weird in tournaments. Same thing with Austria. A lot of people expect things from them. And then more often than not, they disappoint. Now, the last Euros, they played very well, but the World Cup, they were awful. <laughs> they were one of the worst teams in the tournament as regards to the final rankings in the tournament. I think they finished 25th in the tournament, but I think Sweden, with that squad cohesiveness, they could totally pip Spain. Now, I think Luis Enrique is a better manager than Sweden's manager, but the squad's weird. It's just a very, very weird squad. No Real Madrid players is pretty crazy. And I would say that because, I mean, the obvious thing is that he played for Barcelona. He's a Barcelona manager. But he played for Real Madrid as well. So what was the thing with leaving Sergio Ramos out and taking a guy like Eric Garcia, who's probably not, or Diego Lorente from Leeds? Like, are we going to play those two in the tournament at all? I would say Lorente probably more than Garcia, but I'm very surprised by that. 
And Americ Laporte and Pau Torres are more than likely going to be the center back partnerships. Jordi Alba at left back. Uh, Gaia will also play left back. Marcus Lorente looks to be the starting right back, as Piliqueto will also be there as well. No Denny Carvajal. I don't know if he's retired from international play or not, but he's not in this team. Just a very interesting. So you don't have Sergio Ramos here, and Kareem Benzema is back. This is very weird tournament setting up right now. But those are the only two teams, France and Spain, that I think could be threatened finishing second in their group. I don't think they'll finish below second, but I'm not going to rule out the possibility that that does happen. Now, England has a very strong squad, but there are some intriguing factors in this. I think Croatia is going to be tough for them. I think the Czech Republic will be tough for them. I don't know about Scotland. I know Scotland's going to be up and ready for that game because it's a big rivalry, but I think England's got enough to handle them. I think the Czechs and the Croatians will push England a lot more than what people are originally expecting, especially the Czech Republic, of being not as highly ranked as Croatia. The Czechs could surprise some people. I'm not saying they'll beat England, but I think they could push them. I think they could possibly look at a draw in that game. Possibly, because they'll score a goal and then sit back. But England does have a lot of very good attacking options. We already mentioned the likes in the video. Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, Phil Foden, Jaden Sancho, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish. There's some very good attacking pieces for England. Jordan Henderson, we don't know what he's going to do, nursing a groin injury. He did play today for England. And Marcus Rashford, give a round of applause for Marcus Rashford. England's 125th captain. Great stuff from Marcus Rashford. Love seeing that. Scored a penalty today. Beautiful stuff from Rashford. And then in the back, Harry Maguire looks to be not playing in the first game. Time will tell on that. We're still a few days away from the start of the tournament in England's first game. But Harry Maguire still nursing an ankle injury. Will he play in the first game? If not, will they play a back two with Tyrone Mings? Will they play a back three with Connor Cody and Kyle Walker putting in at right, or right center back? With Creer and Trippier playing the right wing back? Is that what we're looking at here? Is that what we're going to see from, from England in this first game? Back five or back three, however you look at it. Five, five, two, three is what we're probably going to be looking at from England in the first game with Harry Maguire out. Or do they keep with that nice 4-3-3? It worked well. The five in the back worked well for England in 2018. But this team is better. We didn't know what we were getting from Harry Maguire. We didn't know what we were getting from him. He was a Leicester City player, Luke, Ashley Young, was the starting left wing back in that tournament. <laughs> so, Dally Alley was there. Jesse Lingard was there. Very interesting tournament. They made it all the way to the semifinals. Now, Jordan Pickford, big question marks surrounding him. Not necessarily if he's going to play. We know he's going to play. It's just a matter of how well he plays. I know a lot of the English media and a lot of English fans don't rate Jordan Pickford that highly, especially at club level, who's been whose form at club level has been shaky, to say the least. England form has been fairly good. Obviously, saved the penalty against Colombia in the World Cup. It's I get the the hesitancy towards Jordan Pickford, but can you really make a solid argument for anybody else being the number one? Nick Pope's out through injury, so you can't say Nick Pope. And the distribution between those two is very one-sided. Jordan Pickford's a lot better ball distributor than Nick Pope, but you can't really make an argument for Dean Henderson as a Manchester United fan. I would love to see Dean Henderson be England's number one, but I you cannot make a solid argument for Dean Henderson or Jordan Pickford. Dean Henderson has not always been the number one goalie for Manchester United. He's rotated with David De Gea. At times, he looked very good. Other times, he has not. Jordan Pickford has played in a World Cup semifinal. Henderson is getting his first taste of an international tournament. So I don't really know how you can make... And Sam Johnstone and uh, Ramsdale, those two nice third-choice options, but... When Nick Pope's back, those those two will be out of the picture. One would suspect, anyways. I could be surprised. Not a lot of people were expecting Nick Pope to stick around this long. <laughs> they were expecting him to be a one-season wonder. And now he's constantly in the fray as one of England's top goalkeepers. But everybody knows Jordan Pickford. I get you don't like Jordan Pickford, but you can't really make a solid argument against Jordan Pickford at this point in time. Can you? Can you? I don't know. Southgate has a lot Southgate has a lot of faith in Jordan Pickford and I'm not a huge fan of Gareth Southgate very he's not he shouldn't be playing with these types of players these players are too good for Gareth Southgate but I also think like Jordan Pickford 
gets a little too much hate from the English fans, a lot of hate towards the English fans, he just made it to a World Cup semifinal. Like, that's something that should be very highly touted, especially with England's recent tournament struggles. Ever since, really, 1966, they've had some insane tournament struggles. I don't think Gareth Southgate deserves the amount of hate that he gets from people. I get you might not think he deserves the England job, and that you can make a really solid argument for that. His only job in management other than that was getting relegated with, I think, Millsbrough, I think, and now he's the England boss. I can see where you don't like that. But he gets a little too much hate. I don't think he's a great manager. I'm not saying he's an amazing manager and deserves the job forever. I think eventually he'll get found out, and I think if England gets knocked out in the first round of the knockout stages, we might see that where things start to get pushed along. In England, it's a little unfair to judge England managers because of the fact that in their qualifying, I don't know how this always works out, England has always the easiest qualifying group out of every team in the world, it seems like. They always play like San Marino. Just these really tiny countries. I'm trying to think, Cyprus... They play these very tiny, tiny countries and win pretty easily. So it's hard to judge England. We'll see how they do in this tournament. If you watch the video, I didn't have them making it past the first round of the knockout stages because they're going to be matched up if they win this group. And I'd be absolutely shocked if they didn't win this group. Even though it's at home, they're going to go line up against France or Portugal. You can't honestly tell me that England is going to beat... Now, they could. I'd be very surprised, but England does not have a great track record against Portugal at international level, and France is the reigning world champions. So, I don't really... I I would love to see England do that. I would love to see England go far. I have a lot of really good things to say about a lot of England players. I really like a lot of England's players, namely Marcus Rashford, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, and Dean Henderson, as a Manchester United fan. But I also like Jack Grealish. I really like watching Harry Kane. Phil Foden is awesome to watch. Raheem Sterling's awesome to watch. Mason Mount is awesome to watch. Like, I like watching England, but I don't think they're going to make it past the first round of the knockout stages. The World Cup will be a big tournament for them. I think losing Trent Alexander-Arnold will be big for them, but they still have Reese James there. They did bring four right backs to be <laughs> to be 100%. They're, gonna, they're not lacking in depth at the right back spot. But I do think it's kind of funny that Manchester United are trying to sign Kieran Trippier it looks like it's going to happen, and he's going to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka's backup. Yet, Aaron Wan-Bissaka didn't even make the preliminary squad for the Euros, and Trippier is pretty much a lock to go to every single tournament with England. That I'm confused on how that works out. Wan-Bissaka is clearly the best defensive right back England has, and though he's not the best going forward, how can you just leave him? He's not like a liability going forward. But I just think that's weird. The person Manchester United are trying to bring in to be Juan Basaka's backup is making the tournament while Juan Basaka is sitting on his ass at home watching England play like you and I are. It's really confusing. But the rest of the groups, Netherlands, Stecklenburg or Cruel, whoever plays the net for them, don't know. It's obviously a big downgrade from Jasper Sillison. I know Stecklenburg went to the World Cup final with Netherlands in 2010, but has had a very weird time with the Dutch national team since then. He's getting older. If Andre Onana didn't get banned for his doping scandal, I think that's what it was, Stecklenburg wouldn't even be in the squad. Or maybe he would be just because he's played a lot of games for the Dutch national team. I think he's played like 57 or 58 or something like that. Tim Krul, obviously the penalty hero against uh, Costa Rica, I believe, in the World Cup. So there's going to be some love there for Tim Krul. Virgil van Dijk's not in this tournament as well. Uh, Stegenberg, Steven Bergvine's not in this tournament. Uh, Asir, uh, what is his name? Wow, Aston Villa. Wow, I'm completely blanking right now. He's not in the team either. Quincy Promes is in the team, which is kind of surprising, but they still got Memphis Depay, Jeannie Wijnaldum, Frankie de Jong. They got some nice players. Matthias De Ligt, Stefan de Vrij. The Dutch will win this group. If they don't, I'd be shocked. This is not an insanely strong group. Again, Austria is very weird at international tournaments. A lot of people expect them to do good, and they rarely do. And Ukraine, though they're managed by Andrei Shevchenko, their greatest ever player, do they have enough quality to move above Austria? I don't think so. And the North Macedonia, I love the fact that they're here. And they could, hey, what if they do come in third place in this group? I wouldn't, I'm not saying, I don't think they will, but there's always that one random team 
in every tournament. Sweden was that in the 2018 World Cup. Wales was that in 2014 or in 2016. There's that random team <laughs> that could be North Macedonia. Even though I don't really think they'll do that. The Dutch should win that group. And then Group B, Belgium, number one ranked team in the world. This group is fairly pretty self-explanatory, at least to me. Uh, maybe Finland pips Russia for third, but Finland has not won a game in 2021 and haven't won since November of 2020. They just lost to Estonia, so I'm, my expectations are not extremely high for Finland going into this tournament. This is their first ever major tournament. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm think I hope they do nice. Not really, as a sweet as a, uh, what do you want to call it? As a Swedish by heritage, I do not want to see Finland do well in this tournament. I would much rather see Denmark do better than Finland in this tournament, and that's why. And Denmark's got better players, anyways. I like Finland's goalkeeper. I like Timo Pukki. But I can't really see them finishing third in this group. I'd be surprised if they finished third. But Belgium, clear number one. Maybe Denmark pips Belgium for number one. They tie Belgium and then get some weird result. They had to. I don't think Belgium's not losing to Finland or Russia, are they? If they tie, if they beat Belgium, then they can win their group. But if they don't, Bel. I mean, it's just going to go to Belgium. I'm trying to come up with a scenario where Denmark can pit Belgium for first. There's no scenario that exists. Belgium's finishing first in this group. And then Group A, Italy, them and the Dutch are two teams, two big-name teams that did not make the 2018 World Cup, as well as the United States. We talked about that at nauseum on the show. but And we'll talk about the United States in a little bit, as they play Mexico tonight in the CONCACAF Nations Final. But Italy, Donnarumma, Ciro Immobile, Bonucci, Cialini, Insigne, Jorginho, Barella, Verratti. Like, they've got so many good players on this team, and Andrea Belotti is even backing up as the striker, and he's a very nice player as well, plays at Torino. Italy should win this group. Switzerland's got some very nice players as well, but up front, they're very weird. I think Breland Bolo is going to be their main striker in this tournament, and he hasn't really been talked about since, I think, Euro 2016. Uh, Sheridan Securi still on this team for a weird reason, hasn't played a lot recently, <laughs> but Shaka's still there. They've got some nice players on this. Jan Sommer and Net, very talented goalkeeper in the Bundesliga. They should come second. Wales, Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, Daniel James, Wayne Hennessy is still in net. Gareth Bale is going to be the captain in this tournament. They have enough quality to finish above Turkey, I think. This was one that I flipped back and forth on, Wales and Turkey. But I just like Wales going forward more than Turkey. Even though they have Yilmaz, you have Hakan Chalinoglu, Kagilar Soyonku, the center back from Leicester. But other than those three, do I have a lot of faith in Turkey? Not really. I have a lot more faith in Wales to finish third in this group than I do with Turkey. Hey, Turkey, surprise me. Go ahead and do it. I like Chalinoglu a lot. I really like him. He scored a freaking uh, um, a free kick from the halfway line one time in the Bundesliga a few years ago. It's like, dude is one of the best, if not the best, free kick taker in the world at this point in time. James Ward-Prowse would obviously have something to say about that. Messi, Ronaldo, those guys would like to say something too, but Chaganoglu, creativity, there's a lot of him in there. Yilmaz, I don't know if he would have been in this team had not been for Lille's improbable league on title win. Now he's the freaking captain of the team. So, yeah, that's what I think the groups will look out as for the tournament. And then now to the fourth place, or the third place teams, there's going to be four third place teams that move on they'll go off based on how good these teams are in this tournament I'm going to go with Germany Poland the Czech Republic and Wales Russia and Ukraine just missing out and I was pretty confident leaving Ukraine out Russia was one that was kind of difficult and it's kind of weird if you if let's just say Russia were to make it past and Wales didn't I'm pretty confident in Poland Germany and the Czech Republic but Germany if Russia does if Russia does become one of those best third-place teams. Germany will be playing Belgium <laughs> in the first round of the knockout stages versus if Wales makes it over Russia, Germany will be playing the Netherlands, a lot easier opponent for them. I don't. There, there's zero chance they beat Belgium. There is a 50-50 shot against the Netherlands. I was very torn about that game. I just think the Netherlands' goalkeeping situation is very intriguing to me. This is a big downgrade from Jasper Sillison, who's going to be out through COVID. I don't know how long he's out. I mean, he's not in the squad anymore. So it's, 
I'm intrigued because Sergio Busquets is still in the team for Spain, even though he just got popped for COVID. Jasper Sillison's not even on the team anymore. And Virgil van Dijk's not there. If van Dijk and Sillison were still a part of the Dutch national team, this would be a completely different viewpoint for the Dutch national team. I love Memphis Depay, uh, but I think Germany's got, even though they're in a weird stretch and they had a horrific 2018 World Cup, if you're in a group with Sweden and South Korea, no offense, and even Mexico, if you're in a group with those guys and you're the reigning world champions, there's no real reason you shouldn't be topping the group, let alone finishing freaking last in the group and losing to South Korea. South Korea and, Spain and Sweden, I don't know how. <laughs> South Korea, they beating Germany was insane. Sweden, I don't know how they won the group, but Germany just has too many good players to lose to the Dutch, in my opinion, even though... They're in that weird stretch right now. I like the Dutch a lot. They always have very nice uniforms. But Germany has got to win that game against the Dutch. And then they're going to play Denmark. I think Denmark's just better than the Swiss. I'm going to go with the Danes over the Swiss. Portugal versus England. Again, Portugal. Too many good players. Like we talked about when we were going over the groups again. Portugal's just got way better players. than they are more complete. I don't have a lot of questions regards to Portugal anyways. England, I do. I don't know what Jordan Henderson's going to do. I don't know what Harry Maguire's going to do. Do I have 100% faith in Jordan Pickford? Not necessarily. In Portugal, do I have any of those questions? No. I think the only question is, do they run a 4-3-3 or 4-4-2? Like, do they want to play Ronaldo as a number strike as a number nine with Andre Silva? Or do they want to play him as a sole striker or in a left wing spot with playing with Diego Jota and Jao Felix up top? How do I want to? How does how does Portugal want to play? Or do they want to go with like Matinho and Bruno Fernandes playing as eights, but Bruno allowed to push up a little bit farther? And they want to play Bernardo Silva on the right, Jota on the left, and Ronaldo up middle. Those are the only que- formations. Portugal has so many players that can start in this tournament. England does too. And I don't know if Gareth Southgate's going to pick the right player. I know a lot of English fans will not be happy. When Phil Foden or Jack Grealish don't get a ton of minutes in this tournament, I think that it looks like England. The lineup that I think Southgate will pull is a 4-3-3 with, this is if Maguire's healthy, Pickford and Nett, Walker on the right, Luke Shaw on the left, John Stones, Harry Maguire at center back, Declan Rice as a holding midfielder, Jordan Henderson as one midfielder, Mason Mount is the other one, giving more permission to move forward. Henderson sits back a little bit farther. Rashford on the left, Kane up top, and Raheem Sterling on the right. That's what I think England would do in this tournament. Raheem Sterling has been a very mixed bag for Man City this season, rarely getting a lot of playing time, but Gareth Southgate likes him. Same thing with Jordan Pickford. So I just think Portugal's got enough to beat the English, and Spain beats Czech Republic, France beats Wales, Italy beats Austria, and Belgium beats Poland. The only real issue I had in the knockout stages where I had to really think about other than Germany and the Netherlands was Sweden and Croatia. Sweden, (laughs) this is a tough, really, really tough game. I would love to pick Sweden. My gut says, my heart says Sweden. My head says Croatia. So it's a very tough situation here between the two. We could do a full, like, video preview versus my... Show preview, I guess. But, I mean, it's just going to be one game. That's the only thing that I have flipped if I pick Sweden here. I Again, I just think it's just really tough. I might go to... I think it'll go to penalties. To be 100% honest with you. I think Croatia and Sweden will go to penalties. 1-1 going into extra time. No one scores. Croatia wins on penalties. Most of their games in the knockout stage of the 2018 World Cup went to penalties. They're experienced to penalties. Now, they don't have Subasic in net. So, we'll see how their goalkeeping situation is. But yeah, I think Croatia's got enough talent. <sighs> Gee, it's just tough. On you, you would think this is an easy one. You look at some of the players Croatia has: Brozovic, Modric, Kovacic, Perisic. So many good Rebic. You've got a lot of really nice players on that team. But no one thought Sweden would make it to the quarterfinals and finish above a team that had Kimmich, Muller, Neuer, Kroos. No one thought they'd finish above that team, and that team finished last in the group. So I am going to stick with Croatia. Then Belgium, France, 
Portugal beats Spain, and then Denmark, I think, will upset Germany. I think Germany's little run ends there, finishing third in the group, beating the Dutch, and then losing to the Danes, and then first the second round of the knockouts, and then France beating Belgium and Portugal beating France, or Portugal beating Denmark. That's unfair. Why do the number one and two teams in the world have to play each other, but we have a third, a fifth, and a, I think a tenth place team facing each other? And that's not fair for those two, but... I think France will win the tournament. N'Golo Kante, player of the tournament, or Kylian Mbappe, one of those two, wins the player of the tournament. France wins. If N'Golo if Kante wins it, he'll win the Ballon d'Or. That's why I want to see. I want to see N'Golo Kante lift the Ballon d'Or. Wins the Champions League with Chelsea. Wins the Euros, potentially, with France. Wins the player of the tournament and gets crowned Ballon d'Or winner. Now... This will be a tough game. It's a rematch of the 2016 Euros. Portugal obviously ended up winning in extra time. I think it was extra time, right? Ronaldo got hurt. I was at an Indy race at the Iowa Speedway, so I wasn't, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to this game when this game was played in 2016. But I think France will win the tournament. That is what my predictions are. This is basically just a recap of what the video was. Pretty much the same things were said. Not too much was different. I think the exact same, the exact same tournament it played out so that means I'm confident in my predictions, which really scares me because usually when I'm confident in something, it doesn't turn out very good. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I feel good about this prediction. I told my friend Noah a few months ago, or whenever the groups were announced, I don't remember exactly. I might be pushing it back a little too far. When Portugal and France were announced in the same group, I told Noah, why are these two teams in the same group? These are the two teams that are going to win the freaking tournament. And I'm sticking with that. I think these are the two best national teams in this tournament. Even though Belgium's number one ranked in the world, I know England's ranked above Portuguese in this tournament as well, for regards to the FIFA rankings. I like Portugal over England in this tournament. I like Portugal over a lot of teams in this tournament, except for France. Now, for the young player of the tournament, this was one I kind of had a little issues with. I didn't really explain it in the video. I kind of just threw it on the bottom because I forgot to do it in the video. I put Alexander Izak as the the young player of the tournament winner. He's going to be Sweden's main goal scorer. At least one would suspect he's going to be England's main Sweden, geez, Sweden's main goal scorer. I don't think Sweden will go extremely far, but he's the player I would pick. Obviously, got like Phil Foden will be a shout in there as well. Dejan Kulosevsky will be put in there as well. Another player from Sweden. Coincidence? I think not. João Felix could also be mentioned up there as well if he plays well for Portugal. If they make it to the finals, I would not be shocked if Zhao Felix made it, <laughs> won the young player of the tournament. I just won Izak just because I wanted to put a Swedish player in there. To be 100% honest with you, that's how I wanted. I would have put Zhao Felix, but I don't know what their starting lineup's going to be. It depends on what their lineup is, because if they run a 4-3-3, then Zhao Felix will start. If they run a 4-2-2, I think Andre Silva will start. I think Andre Silva should start regardless, but... I don't think that's how it's going to happen. Fans are going to be wanting Zhao Felix, Diego Jota. Those are the people they're going to want to see up top. Now, in the midfield, I think Bruno Fernandes is a lock. Bernardo Silva is a lock, whether you play him in the midfield or as a winger. Zhao, Zhao Matinho is probably a lock, one of the most capped players in Portuguese history. Uh, Ruben Diaz, Rafael Guerrero, Zhao Cancelo. Nelson Semedo could be a lock in there as well, but you know, I think Cancelo deserves to be in the, t the starting 11 more than Nelson Semedo. And then that partnership next to Ruben Diaz will be either Pepe or Jose Font. That's what, and Rui Patricio's unchallenged in that. That was one of the big reasons they stunk up the building in, 20, in the 2014 World Cup. They had a big rotation of goalkeepers. That was one of their big issues in the tournament was that giant rotation of goalies. And it came back to bite them. That's why I don't have the Netherlands going very far. Wales, I I didn't mention this in the video, but I just kind of thought about it now. One thing that could hurt the Welsh is the fact that they just had a manager change like right before the tournament with Ryan Giggs going to court over an assault charge. So there might be some drawbacks from that from Wales. So maybe Russia pips them from that or maybe Wales finishes last in their group. That was the main reason behind my thinking of putting Wales in last, even though I ended up not doing that. I think that could be a big reason for why that happens. Obviously, saw Spain right before the World Cup. Julian Lopetegui got fired because he was talking to Real Madrid in the 2018 World Cup. So that kind of messed up a lot of things. They lost to freaking Russia on penalties. That was ridiculous. I still don't know how the hell that was allowed to happen. But yes, that's my Euro predictions. France 
over Portugal in the Euro 2016 tournament. The tournament, again, will start on 2 o'clock on Friday, so make sure you tune into that. Italy versus Turkey. I know the games that you guys want to watch are Sweden. And Sweden and Spain will be playing each other in the first game, if I remember correctly. Yes, on June 14th, so if you want to watch that, it's going to be very exciting. Very exciting. Love to see the two best teams play each other right at the start. Now, it can be scary if and when Poland beats Slovakia in the first round of the tournament and Sweden loses to Spain. That could be very scary, but... Spain plays Poland in the very next round. And I haven't really talked about Slovakia that much. You got, like, Emilan Skriniar, Marek Hamšík is still around in the team, even though he's been playing all over the face of the globe ever since leaving Napoli a few years ago. He's played in China. He's now played in freaking Sweden. Uh, yeah. I don't really see a lot of chances for the Czech Republic and or, uh, Slovakia. And Martin Dubravka is their number one for this tournament as well. I mean, they've got some nice players, but... I don't see there's I don't really see a lot of chances for them to finish above Poland or Sweden in this group. I I don't see there being a very high percentage chance that that happens at this tournament. But yeah, that's what I've got for you for the 2020 Euros even though we were in 2021. Yeah, 2022 World Cup will be coming up next year, a Winter World Cup, so we'll be ready for that. That'll be very exciting. I'm excited for the 2022 World Cup. Hopefully, the United States makes it to this World Cup, obviously missing the 2018 World Cup. Jeez, all these numbers are just screwing around in my head. The United States has to make it to the 2022 World Cup. I don't think they're going to be pushing for a World Cup crown that year. I think that is more realistic for 2026 while we're on home soil where we are guaranteed to make the World Cup. And yeah, all of our, best, all of our really good young players which are who are really good right now Will be more experienced by that time. Be older. Giovanni Reina, Brendan Aronson, Christian Pulisic, Jonas Musa, McKinney, Tyler Adams, DK, Sargent. All of these players are beginning more experience at big time clubs. And hopefully, Zach Steffen leaves Man City. I want to see him actually play for a top level team because I think he deserves it. I think Zach Steffen deserves to play. For a top level team. Whether that be in the Premier League or the Bundesliga. I think he deserves to be a number one in a European country. I think he could deserve a shot at West Ham. I think that would be a very, very nice place for him to go. I could see him going to Fulham as well. Obviously they have a very rich history of Americans being over there. Namely Brian McBride. Clint Dempsey. I'm pretty sure Benny... No, Benny Fellhaber played for Derby. But those two, Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey. Very big history over there. Aston Villa, Brad Guzan was there as well. Brad Friedel was there, but they have Emiliano Martinez, so I don't really think there's a chance of him going there if he wants to be a backup again. Go ahead and do that. But yeah, Zach Steffen deserves to be a number one somewhere. But then you got Sergio Dest. Hopefully he gets more playing time at Barcelona. Anthony Robinson. Uh, Reggie Cannon will move on to a bigger club than Boa Vista and get more playing time. Brian Reynolds over at Roma. Hopefully he gets more playing time. Uh, Mark McKenzie, Chris Richards, young, these young players that need to get game time will have way more experience in 2026 than 2022. That's just, I mean, that's obvious. It's more time to get prepared than next year, but they have to make it. And it all starts with the tournament final tonight and the CONCACAF Nations final between Mexico and the United States. This is where the, it's not really for anything that I can remember. Maybe it's for something a lot bigger than I'm giving it credit for. But I can't really remember what the CONCACAF Nations League is for. The big four of the CONCACAF League, Honduras, Costa Rica, the United States, and Mexico. Sometimes Panama likes to squeak their head in there and flop places with Honduras. But usually, that's how it looks. We got... Yeah. I don't, I, again, I don't know what this is. What is this even for? Contested four group winners of the Nation League A. The tournament consists of two semifinals. I don't know what this is for. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm unaware of what this thing really is for. And the United States, they're the only team that has scored in <laughs> this knockout stage. Jordan, Jordan Siabachu, Siabachu, good Lord, is the only goal scorer in this tournament. He scored a late winner against Honduras. Now they're playing Mexico. A team they have not had a lot of success of recently. Anyways, obviously losing. The most recent thing being lost in the 2018 or 2019 
Gold Cup, I think it was 2019. 2019 Gold Cup, they lost in the final in Chicago. Hopefully they can rectify that here. This is not an extremely strong Mexico squad. The United States brought a very, very strong team. Mexico, on the other hand, brought a good team, but they left some good players at home. <laughs> Raul Jimenez is not playing in this tournament. Chicharito is still retired from international play. They're strikers. They still got Herbie Lozano, Jesus Corona, Alan Polito. Let's go, Polito, but I'm going to have to hate you for tonight. Guillermo Ochoa is still kicking around. You got Hector Moreno still kicking around. But I don't think this is the strongest team they could bring forward. Now, they got some older players like Jonathan Dos Santos is not playing. Eric Gutierrez is not playing in this game. We already mentioned Raul Jimenez. The United States brought probably their strongest roster they could. Like Tyler Adams just got called back into the team. You've got Christian Pulisic, Josh Sargent, Reyna, Aronson, uh, Weston McKinney, Sebastian Legette, Musa. They even brought DeAndre Yedlin back into the freaking team. <laughs> Where That dude got so many caps in his first three years of the United States men's national team and just stopped getting called up. Then Greg Berhalter came in and didn't really rate Yedlin, and now he's back in the team. I don't think he's really competing for a starting spot, but maybe he starts tonight. Maybe he starts tonight for the United States. They play Mexico tonight at 8. You'll know the result. I have no idea what the result is, but you will know. You'll know exactly what it is. But if I had to predict what the starting lineup looked like for the United States in this game, I think we'll go Zach Steffen, and then we'll go with a partnership of, I don't know, Mark McKenzie and John Brooks have been the partnership for the last two games, so why not, ki why not keep that? Midfield of Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. I would love to see Jonas Musa play, but I think it'll be Sebastian Legette. And then an attack, Giovanni Arena, Josh Sargent, and Christian Pulisic. Or maybe Siabachu starts in this game for the United States after scoring against Honduras in their last game, putting them in the final. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe they start him instead of Josh Sargent. Who knows? Maybe Matt Miazga starts. Maybe Yedlin plays right back and they move Des to left back. Maybe Reggie Cannon starts. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. The only guarantees, the only things I can promise you at least I hope I can promise you, Our Zach Steffen starts, McKinney, Adams, Pulisic, and Reyna. Those are the starters. And Brooks, John Brooks. So we got five guarantees, I think. Steffen, Brooks, Adams, McKinney, Pulisic, wait. Steffen, <laughs> McKinney, Brooks, Adams, Pulisic. Okay, six things. Six things is what we've got going on for you. Those are the things I hope I can promise you. They seem like you can promise them, but I don't really know. I don't know who's going to be the captain. Zach Steffen was the captain yet again for the United States. Will he continue to be the captain going forward? Time will tell. They still have not named a 100% locked-in captain. Hopefully he does that for the Gold Cup. Hopefully he does that for the World Cup, too. I don't know who he's going to choose. I think it's between McKinney, Pulisic, and Stefan. And right now, it looks like he likes Stefan a lot as the captain. Stefan has been the captain the most, at least that I can see, for the United States over the over Bearhalter's reign as head coach of the United States. I could be wrong about that. I know he likes Aaron Long as the captain as well. But I'm pretty confident Zach Steffen is the longest serving captain so far. I'm trying to find a... I don't know if I'm going to find... I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking for that because I think that's stupid. <laughs> trying to find who's been the longest captain of the United States. I don't have that pulled up. Didn't even think about it when we were starting the show, so I'm not going to worry about it now. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully they take a dub. Hopefully they take a dub against Mexico. I can't... They can't keep losing to Mexico. They cannot keep losing. They can't keep getting away with it. I've never even seen Breaking Bad, and I, I've seen the, that video clip about a thousand times. At least I, I hope that's from Breaking Bad. He can't keep getting away with it. I think that's Jesse, right? Jesse Pinkman? That's him screaming that, right? I was staring over to my box of Josh's jacks like they had the answer for me. But I don't know. They don't know anything for me. But I am excited for... Now we're just going to go on a different segue here. We haven't made fun of an Instagram account in a very, very long time. And staring at my box of Josh's jacks reminded me of this. For those of you who don't know, Josh's jacks, Josh Allen cereal for Buffalo. We have two boxes, and I ain't planning on eating them anytime soon. Unless they win the Super Bowl... I ain't eating them. I'm trying to keep these things hoarded like Flutie Flakes so I can brag about them when I'm showing my kids and showing their friends and showing my friends that I got this box when they retire Josh Allen's number. Because as of right now, I could be over-predicting this and maybe falls off a cliff next year. 
I think it seems pretty much guaranteed that Josh Allen will go on to be the Bills' best quarterback ever. Maybe not exactly, unless he gets to a Super Bowl. Because Jim Kelly obviously going to four Super Bowls. It's going to be tough to top that. But <laughs> Josh Allen's going to own most of the Bills' passing records, one would assume. But this guy on Instagram does not believe that. This is some NFL hot takes. And I have gone on his Instagram, much like we did with that, uh, what was that Instagram account we used to go on all the time for Stay Woke Wednesday last year? I can't remember. But I went on his Instagram account, Buffalo Fanatics on Instagram, posted this on their story. Because it said, someone needs to check this guy's brain. He said, we're starting quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Patriots QBs, Drew Locke, and Josh Allen. Okay? He put Josh Allen as one of the worst QBs in the NFL. NFL hot takes. What is this one? Baker Mayfield will be better than Josh Allen in 2021. Giants will disappoint and go 7-10. The 49ers will finish last in the NFC West. So, you know what? I have the, you have these predictions, okay, going forward. Usually when you make predictions, like hot takes, and tell us who the worst quarterbacks in the NFL are, you kind of stick with that. You don't say that and then, on other things, rank Josh Allen in that top five Super Bowl contenders. Bills in fifth. With the worst, one of the worst five quarterbacks in the NFL, the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. And according to this list, they have the second best team in the AFC. The other Super Bowl contenders are the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams. And then the Chiefs, obviously, number one. The Bills... Jeez! The Bills have the fifth best odds to make the Super Bowl with the fifth... Or the... No. I don't know which way the list is going. He's either the fourth worst quarterback or the second worst quarterback in the NFL. Even though he just came second in the MVP race, has more MVP votes than Russell Wilson, finished above Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race... And got all the way to the AFC Championship game. And for four, you go, Stephon Diggs is the reason for that. Stephon Diggs never had a season like last year. Their success, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, are together. They're both the same. Josh Allen was not bad his second year in the league. He had great numbers his second year in the league. They made the freaking playoffs again. He got called the worst quarterback in the matchup between the Steelers. The night the Bills made the playoffs when the Steelers had Duck Hodges as their starting quarterback. And this is still a narrative that, and I think I know why this is happening, because people know losers like myself and other Bills fans out there will overreact and click on this and go to the page, and they're under this the, the line or the headline of any publicity is good publicity. That is the line they're working under because there's no reason to have an idiotic take like that. What are you talking about? The worst... And Baker Mayfield being better than Josh Allen in 2021. If you put Josh Allen in Cleveland, you know how much better Josh Allen would be? If he had a legit running game, a top two off the line, and tight ends that actually, you know, could catch the ball. Now there are in talks of getting Zach Ertz, but at this point in time, I like Dawson Knox, but do I feel comfortable? Do I rank him above Austin Hooper and David Njoku? No, not at all. Do I rank when I switch out any Bills player on the offensive line for a Cleveland Browns player on the offensive line? No, I might throw in Deion Dawkins just because I really like Deion Dawkins, but would I really switch out? So Jedrick Wills, J.C. Treader, Batonio, Teller, and Conklin, am I switching out any Bills player for those guys? No, not one. Am I rotating Devin Singletary and Zach Moss with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Am I rotating Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney with David Njoku and Austin Hooper? No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> what are you talking about? Baker Mayfield only goes as far as his team will let him. <laughs> and I think he knows that. And I don't want to make this sound like I hate Baker Mayfield. This is making an argument for Josh Allen against Baker Mayfield, but I don't want to sound like I hate Baker Mayfield. You'll know that is what it sounds like. I understand that. I don't mind Baker Mayfield. I have no dis- disdain for Baker Mayfield. I'm just explaining what the situation is. I wanted Baker Mayfield in the 2018 NFL Draft. My dad wanted Baker Mayfield in the 2018 NFL Draft. Did that happen? No. They got Josh Allen and got the better quarterback. 
It's plain and simple. And then you have that take. This is all the same Instagram account. I'm not going to say their name because they want attention, and I'm just not going to say their name. You say that, that Baker Mayfield will be better than Josh Allen, yet you did a mock draft, one round one NFL mock draft. And here's the reasoning. Round one of the redrafting NFL players based on their potential and talent. Potential and talent. Potential means that you're predicting that Baker Mayfield will be better than Josh Allen. On his potential, he will be better than Josh Allen. Yet, even with Baker Mayfield being better than Josh Allen, and here you're predicting that he'll finish better than, be better than Josh Allen, you still had Josh Allen picked fourth. And Baker Mayfield picked 17th. Is anybody else confused by this, or is it just me? Am I, am I brain dead or something? How can one person go, hot take, Baker Mayfield will be better than Josh Allen, yet go, this is based off potential, and pit Josh Allen above Baker Mayfield? Because potentially, Baker Mayfield could be better than Josh Allen. The reality is he's not, and won't be. And the other take was, Josh Allen's top five worst quarterback in the NFL, but in this, you're picking him fourth. And an NFL redraft with Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert picked before him. Yeah, he's a top five. None of the other quarterbacks you admit, he listed on here, or she, I shouldn't say it's a she, he or she, I don't know, are on this list. There's no Daniel Jones. There's no Drew Locke. There's no Jalen Hurts. There's no Patriots quarterback. But Josh Allen's fourth. Can anybody else explain that to me? Is, it, is anybody else as confused as I am, or am I just dumb? And I just don't understand. My brain's just not able to comprehend what this genius of sports takes is saying. So not only is Josh Allen a worst, top five worst quarterback in the NFL, not only is Baker Mayfield better than Josh Allen, potentially better than Josh Allen, but going off potential, Josh Allen's fourth best quarterback in the draft. And also the Bills are top five Super Bowl contender. You don't have a top five Super Bowl contender if you don't have a top 10 QB. Or top 12. Let's say top 12. You're not a Super Bowl contender if you don't have a top 12 QB. Unless you're like the Ravens in 2000 where you have one of the greatest defenses of all time, which the Bills don't have. The Bills have a great defense. Is it rivaling the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears? Not at all. They have some nice players like Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds, Mike Milano. But their weakness is on the front. They suck against the run. The corner opposite Tredavious White is a huge question mark, whether it be Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson. Their two DNs are 34 and 33 years old. Now Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau could be awesome, but, but they're potential pieces and won't play a lot this year, at least I would suspect. They've sucked against the run for the past two years. And the Bills are top five team because... That hurts. And the other take that he had, the Giants will disappoint finishing 7-10... and 10. He predicted the Giants record and had them going 6-11. and 11. So they, they did worse than what you thought was a bad season. You said the Giants will disappoint and go 7-10. and 10. What is 6-11 and 11 then? Why, why are you predicting them 6-11? and 11 If you're and a month later, you said on April 13th, the Giants will disappoint and finish 7-10. and 10. And on May 15th, dude said the Giants will finish 6-11. and 11. So if disappointing is 7-10, how bad is 6-11? And, and then he also said the 49ers will finish last in the NFC West. He has them going 11-6 and six and finishing second. If you're going to say, if you're going to put your neck on the line and say, this is a hot take, I believe this. It's not a hot take then. You're just spouting things. You don't believe it. You're just saying it. Because in every single example, okay, the other one that he had on here at four of them, Julian Hedelman is nowhere near the Hall of Fame. I don't think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer either. That's not hot take. <laughs> no one has said, there's not a lot of people that say Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer, except for Patriots fans. There's not a lot of people that go out there and say Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer, guaranteed. I wouldn't say nowhere near, but he's not a Hall of Famer. I think most people, he's a Hall of Good player, not a Hall of Famer. Not at all. But the three other hot takes, <laughs> you you put... You, you literally said these are hot. Do you want If you're making a hot take, this means this is something that you're sticking your neck on the line for that you believe in, and yet 
every single hot take, minus the last one, in other posts, you have completely just said, ah, I actually didn't believe that. I just wanted to post it. Because you didn't have the Giants going 7-10. and 10. You had them going 6-11. and 11. You had the 49ers going 11-6 and six and coming second in their division. And you said Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen while also putting Josh Allen fourth and Baker Mayfield 17 in the draft while also saying Josh Allen's a top five worst quarterback in the league. Now, to his credit, maybe he forgot he put Josh Allen fourth in the draft because the other two posts about Josh Allen were later. So maybe he just forgot. Or maybe he had a change of heart. Over the past two months, maybe he had a change of heart. He was like, ah, actually, you know what? I don't like Josh Allen anymore. And then they did a consensus QB rankings with 10 plus people. And Josh Allen's fourth. With 10 other people, you got to stand on that hill. And hunt NFL takes I hate. This was three, or uh, when was this taken? This was taken on the 5th. So three days before the 5th. So June 2nd. He said, NFL takes I hate. Josh Allen is good. Josh Allen is good. Josh Allen will be an MVP soon. Stephon Diggs doesn't carry Allen. Josh Allen is a top 10 QB. In every single post you have, <laughs> he said Josh Allen's top 10 QB, except for the post that you say Josh isn't. But when you're drafting quarterbacks, when you're listing quarterbacks, when you're listing teams that are going to compete for Super Bowls, Josh Allen and the Bills are right there. You can't tell me Stephon Diggs carries Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs was not this good in Minnesota. No one considered just Stephon Diggs a top five, top three wide receiver before he got to Buffalo. No one did. Everybody was saying Adam Thielen was better than him. So don't come over here and say <laughs> that Diggs is carrying out. It is a two-way street here. They are both very help. They are helping each other a lot. Josh Allen is good. That's an NFL. Not even great. He's just good, and I hate that take. You know, this is a good quarterback. Like a Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. You're saying Josh Allen's worse than Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> You're saying, oh my goodness. Who else is a good quarterback? Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. And speaking of Ryan Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans just traded for <laughs> Julio Jones. Isn't that ridiculous? You know what that changed? Absolutely freaking nothing. The Titans will win their division as expected. They'll make the playoffs and lose to either the Chiefs or Bills. That's what changed. They have a very nice offense. Their defense still sucks ass. They had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. Getting Julio Jones will make them win the division easier, I guess. I mean, they were going to win it regardless. I don't think there's a lot of people that were like, the Colts are winning the division now. No? Titans are still better, but their defense isn't that good. So, like, the NFL done messed up now. I mean, everybody was saying the same thing when the Browns got Julio, or, uh, jeez, uh, Odell Beckham. Same thing was said about DeAndre Hopkins going to the Cardinals. The Browns and Cardinals didn't make the playoffs the first two years. They had those top two guys. It's like trading for a top-end wide receiver is nice, the Bills did with Stephon Diggs, but you have to have other pieces in place. You can't just get a top receiver and automatically you're winning Super Bowls and going to Super Bowls. The Cardinals and Browns didn't make the playoffs when they traded for those two receivers. Now, the Titans will because the Titans are better teams than the Browns and Cardinals were at those times. But it doesn't really change a lot. It's cool that Julio is on the Titans, but is Ryan Tannehill... I mean, based off the past couple years, you could say Ryan Tannehill is better than Matt Ryan, but... You can still make an argument for Matt Ryan. There's no real, like, die on this hill, Ryan Tannehill's better than Matt Ryan. Historically, Matt Ryan's a lot better than Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> and he wanted a quarterback that could throw the deep ball. Ryan Tannehill's got a nice arm. But when I was thinking of quarterbacks that could throw the deep ball, I was thinking Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, Justin Herbert. I was thinking of those guys, not Ryan Tannehill. Even though we predicted a few weeks ago, or a week ago, however long we did that, we said Julio Jones would go to the Titans. I'm not surprised he went to the Titans. I'm surprised that he released the statement or the guy released a statement that Julio wants a strong arm receiver when Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a stronger arm. Does Ryan Tannehill have a stronger arm than Matt Ryan? I would say Ryan Tannehill is a lot more athletic than Matt Ryan, but does he have a stronger arm than Matt Ryan? I don't know. Does he? Maybe I, I, maybe I don't know how to judge quarterbacks as well as I think I do. <laughs> maybe, maybe Ryan Tannehill has an absolute hose. Maybe he does. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Tannehill is Baker Mayfield down south. 
I think Ryan Tannehill is more athletic than Baker Mayfield because Ryan Tannehill freaking played wide receiver at Texas A&M. One of the more underrated athletes from the quarterback position is Ryan Tannehill. But, I mean, not the same off the line, but Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis last year, now Julio Jones. They had John U. Smith, now he's gone. But did this really change? Is the NFL on notice now? I hate these types of posts that are like, the NFL has put on, the Titans have put the NFL on notice. Well, they haven't. The Falcons had Julio for however many years. They made the Super Bowl once and disappointed every other year. They had the fourth overall pick this year with Julio Jones. <laughs> it's like, wide receivers are nice. I love Stephon Diggs. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that he helped the Bills. But if you were a, like the Titans... They're not competing for Super Bowls right now. They have good players, but their defense stinks and their offensive line is improving, but not great. Now they got Julio Jones. I don't know. This could come back to bite me. I don't know. This could come back to bite me in the ass. And I said that the Titans would get Julio Jones, but I just don't like seeing the the Titans have put the NFL on notice tweets now. Because those those happen now that this happens. It's just... (laughs) And I had the tweet screenshotted. From Jeremy Fowler at ESPN. If traded, Julio Jones wants to go to a contender, as most big-name players want. But one thing, one other thing I've heard intrigues, a big-armed QB that can deliver the deep ball. Jones wants to outrun DBs and get underneath the ball. Titans are kind of contenders. You get the four seed in the AFC. I, mean, I think the Browns are better. I think the Bills are better. I think the Chiefs are better. They could get the four seed just by... De facto, because they're going to win the AFC South. The Ravens might be better. Dalton, no, the Dolphins aren't better. I almost said that, though. But the Dolphins will make the playoffs. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Colts will make the playoffs. So, I don't know. This didn't really change a lot in my mind that the, Dol- the Titans are going to win the division. And the Titans are, to me, at least at the, at, on June 6, 2021, I don't think the Titans are winning the Super Bowl. By the time the Super Bowl comes around in February, I could be completely wrong, and I could have a completely different take about it. But at this point in time, I don't think it's changed a lot in the grand scheme of things around the NFL. Titans fans not like might not like that. I have a friend from William Penn who's a Titans fan. He might not like that. But I don't know. That's just how I'm feeling at this point in time. But I love, I just love Instagram accounts, man. The best source of news you can get is on Instagram accounts that buy Instagram followers. Because <laughs> takes like that, I mean, the graphics look cool. I'll give him credit for that. I don't know how to do a lot of this stuff on Google. I just made my first thumbnail. Like, I mean, I didn't make my first thumbnail. This is my first thumbnail that I think actually looks good. The ones for the draft, uh, the draft, mock draft minute things. I don't like those mock, those thumbnails as much as I like the Euro 2020 predictions video. I love this thumbnail. This looks like an actual YouTube thumbnail. But I'm not that good at Photoshop. I have it. I'm practicing at it. I'm not that good. I'm not that good. Oh, and then, oh! I found this. I found this. Bre- Baker over Burrow. Considering the Baker turned the Browns franchise around, it almost took them to the Super Bowl. Yes. As the Browns lost the Chiefs in the divisional round and didn't make it to the championship game and were a sixth seed in the playoffs, yes, they turned around their Super Bowl contenders last year. No, they weren't. Nick Chubb, the offensive line, Kevin Stefanski, that, Miles Garrett, <laughs> helped the Browns. I like Baker Mayfield, but let's not kid ourselves and rate him higher than what he actually is. Okay? This is not college Baker Mayfield. This is NFL Baker Mayfield. who make a nice little career of himself. Hall of Famer, probably not unless the Browns win a Super Bowl. Is he better than Josh Allen? No. Is he better than Lamar Jackson? No. He's the third best quarterback in the 2018 draft class, and I think that's pretty set in stone at this point in time. Lamar's won the unanimous MVP. Josh has got a second in the MVP race, has been to two playoff games, made or two playoff, made the playoffs two years, went to the AFC Championship one year. The Bills are better off than the Browns, at least I think. Browns have a good team, though. Not, I don't want to discredit the Browns. The Browns have a nice little team going. I like Kevin Stefanski a lot. But, yeah, I love Instagram accounts. They're really fun. Just... <laughs> Considering Baker turned the Browns franchise around and let, almost led them to a Super Bowl, but they weren't going to beat the Bills. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> okay, 
But yeah, that's all I've got for you today on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I sure hope you enjoyed it. Go and watch the United States versus Mexico tonight, or tonight. I hope you watched the United States. I guess you can't watch it now because it's already over, but hope you liked the United States-Mexico game. Make sure you watched, I hope you watched Floyd Mayweather, Jake Paul, or Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul. Floyd's going to win. I mean, there's no official judges. They're using 10-ounce gloves, but I don't really see a world where Logan touches him. If Logan lands a strike from God like Deontay Wilder, then sure, Logan Paul can win. But I don't know how many punches Logan Paul is actually going to land on Floyd Money Mayweather, the greatest defensive boxer of all time. I have made, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of Floyd. I don't really like him outside of the ring, but can't deny he is the greatest defensive boxer of all time. He's not going to knock out Logan. His first knockout in like, what, eight years or so is against Conor McGregor. That dude doesn't knock out people anymore. And Logan's bigger than Floyd. If Logan catches him, the weight difference could be big in that. Logan weighed in around 189.5, Floyd 155. But yeah, Floyd should win. I'd be absolutely floored if Floyd Mayweather lost. But if Logan gets a strike from God, if God looks down on Logan and smiles upon him and lets him, Floyd, get caught lacking one time, then Logan, yeah, sure, Logan to win. As a fellow Logan, I think it'd be kind of cool to see him win. But as a boxing fan... And not a massive Logan Paul fan. I'm a fan of these names Logan. I'm not really a fan of... I, res- I like Logan Paul a lot more now than what I did in the, in the past. But I think finding KSI really helped that. I was a big K- I grew up watching KSI. So by that fact, I don't think I could be a Logan Paul fan. My respect, Logan. It'd be cool if he won, but I just don't see it. And then we got the, the, vlo- the TikTokers versus YouTube battle. That takes place next weekend. And we got Jake Paul versus Tyrone Woodley in late August. So we've got some nice little boxing matches coming up around the world of entertainment. Now, Jake Paul versus Tyrone Woodley, that's a little different story. And we'll talk about that as we get closer to that fight. But for now, that's all I've got for you today. And I will see you all later. Peace. Go watch the video.